This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter, joined as I am each week by Bazooka Joe Valtellini. And we have a new heavyweight champion of the world in Francis Ngannou, a fantastic performance by Francis. Uh, Joe, I wanted to get your take on that because this is the one thing that keeps bugging me about people's analysis on this is this is the best Francis has ever looked. Francis, yep. look at all these new skills Francis has added. He could have had those the last four fights. We just wouldn't have known because he won them so quickly. So I think people exactly. are people are like thinking that for whatever reason, this fight was like this brand new anomaly that, oh, this is a brand new Francis. He could have had all those skills before. He just wasn't tested because you look at the, the skill level of wrestler he fought, Curtis Blades, Cain Velasquez, yep. when they shot in, they, they ate a knuckle sandwich, so to speak. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we didn't get to really see his sprawl defense. And the thing about that first takedown attempt by Steve is it was perfect. The timing was perfect. Uh, it was it was a you know it was basically the ideal takedown because he had timed it so well off of the strike and Francis sprawled ended up taking Stepe's back and uh, and punishing him for it and the look on Stepe's face after that was like well I, I don't think I'm gonna win this fight <laughs> like I, I think that yeah, at that point yeah. in time it was over yeah I, I mean I'm not gonna say I was surprised I've been saying this for a while I knew Francis Nagano was gonna be the champion I knew he's gonna knock you know Stepe out. It's just that feeling I have. He's too big, too strong. And even with these wrestlers, you're looking at a physical specimen. Like, did you see that man's hips drop when he sprawled? Like, I don't care how good of a wrestler you are. Sometimes it's going to take a lot of good timing to be able to do it. But those hips, those glutes, those hamstrings when he sprawls, like, that's a big, strong, heavy man. So I think those things are all just coming together for him. But I agree with you. I don't think it's a new skill set. I think it's a new application of it, the patience, the setting of things, not getting overly excited to be able to throw those big punches. So using the jab, he jabbed to the body. You know, he used a low kick, which I think are development of confidence in the ring, experience, and just that patience, I think. But it's not really a new skill set. It's just being a little bit more intelligent and having IQ and not just going out blasting everyone out the way he did but i think that new approach will show really well for him because even in that quick time you saw a little bit of huffing and puffing you saw a little bit of maybe like is francis getting tired so you're kind of thrown off a bit but man i'm i'm happy i love the story i think he's created excitement in the heavyweight division and i think we have that you know that new star in the ufc was born that night i think he needed that first loss to stipe to kind of be an eye-opener for him. You know, we had heard Dana White say that his ego is getting a little out of control. Uh, you know, people were saying, and, and I mean, Francis admitted it in the lead-up to this last fight. He just thought that he was going to walk right through Stipe. He thought he was going to knock him out. It was going to be no problem. Mm. I think that losing for him, especially in the way that he did, five rounds where uh, he absorbed so many, I think he absorbed more strikes in that fight against Stipe than he has in the entirety of his UFC career combined from other opponents, including yep. this fight with Stipe. So uh, that, that fight was something that he, I think, really needed to recognize that he wasn't there yet. His power was only going to get him so far. And he there were a lot more things that he could improve upon in order to get to that championship level. And I think that really that was the best thing that could have happened to him. Yeah, I mean, everyone kind of needs that in their career. And even in my career, there was that Nikki Holtzkin loss. That Nikki Holtzkin loss sparked something in me. It sparked me to work my boxing, find different elements to improve. So I think it's important to lose sometimes to reflect. And he got away with just power before right i mean he was just knocking everyone and he still does like we keep thinking that like his last four fights he's just knocking everybody out anyway so he has that but as a fighter who 
to develop you have to have those little subtleties the setups because the worst thing you can be is a fighter with only one way to win and if you only have one way to win it's not possible against the great so when we start talking and you bring in guys like john jones and who's a little bit trickier craftier who's got a wide set of skills to do well i think this is where that patience of nagano is going to be needed um that much more important well, speaking of John Jones, right before we came on air, he tweeted out that he had a conversation with Hunter Campbell, who's the uh, the UFC's attorney, one of the top guys at the UFC who negotiates with a lot of the big fish in the uh, in the promotion. And he said that basically eight million to ten million dollars to fight Francis was a non-starter for him. That he you know he needs mm. more money than that in order to take the Francis fight. He's making everything public. He tweets things and then deletes them. But we know who's seeing them. We know that everybody's watching <laughs> what he's writing. These tweets get these screen capped. You know they don't just disappear yeah, in the ether. Yeah, for sure. So. I mean, that's uh, that's this. I don't think this fight's gonna happen. I, I like. I don't yeah. think at least coming up that it's gonna happen anytime soon. I think that you think about it from an economic standpoint. If you're the UFC and you can call up Derek Lewis and say, "Hey, we're gonna pay you seven hundred fifty thousand dollars or one million dollars uh, plus points for you to fight Francis Ngannou," how much more would they need to do in order to make up the extra nine, ten, twelve million dollars? extra that they'd have to pay John Jones. And yeah. I understand that they, they are the promotion that always says they're going to make the fights that the fans want to see. But when it comes down to business, they don't mess around. And they are willing to sacrifice the big fights for something that is still... Because the fights don't die necessarily long run, right? We can still see it in the long term. Uh, but we've seen them be on bad terms with John Jones in the past. They always end up mending fences. But I don't think that we're going to see this fight next. I think yeah. that right now, if, if John Jones wants more than $10 million to fight Francis, and I'm not saying he doesn't deserve the $10 million, I'm just saying that from an economic standpoint, if you're the UFC and you crunch the numbers, you need blank more buys, blank more gate, blank more etc. in order to make up that extra money from John Jones. And I think they can make more money from a Derek Lewis fight, as sad as that is. Yeah, I think now um, maybe John Jones has a little bit of a case because uh, with the attendance coming back, if he can fill in 15, 20,000 people with the live gate, maybe you can justify paying him a little bit more money. But I, I mean, I'm sure myself and a lot of the fans would agree. I was under the impression that it was almost set. The whole narrative going into this fight was the winner gets John Jones. So I thought the communication was there. I thought things set up at that point but apparently not if i was the ufc i really if if that was my mindset to make john jones versus nagano or the winner of that fight to me john jones should have been in the arena john jones should have been probably had a contract already to face the winner so i mean i think that is the direction that the ufc should have gone this should have been talked about before i like the idea of having storylines what's next show the fans get us excited but i was under the impression that the fight was happening and now i'm almost let down that it's all this negotiation talk, but is it John Jones putting himself in that situation to get us excited, right? Maybe not the UFC, but I know White say it too. So I'm let down as a fan that it wasn't pre-booked. Well, he's not getting me excited because uh, right now, let's go through the, tw the tweet storm of John Jones, the ones that are still up. So I mentioned brief phone call with uh, UFC's lawyer Hunter Campbell a few days ago. As of right now, I expressed him that anywhere around eight to ten million dollars would be way too low for a fight of this magnitude. That's all that's been discussed so far. I'm supposed mm. to be waiting for what their offer is going to be, 
really hoping the numbers are nowhere near that low. I guess we will see what happens. One thing I'm sure of, I've never had more people excited to see a fight than they are now. I literally can't yep. walk to my mailbox without somebody asking me about the fight. I've been working my butt off. But yes, you know, I'm, I'm using the word butt off for years. Concussions, surgeries, uh, fighting, the toughest competition UFC has had to offer throughout my 20s for right around $2, two million per fight. I'm just trying to have my payday. The fight that all of us fighters believe is one day possible. I tweeted, show me the money, and that evidently pissed the boss off. What a learning, what a learning lesson. I feel like if Conor McGregor would have seen this, uh, sent the same tweet that night, there would have been whiskey night. I believe hmm. I was grossly underpaid throughout my 20s. I'm not even here about the, like, you know, beeping about that. I just want to see the future, the future done, done right. Uh, then someone wrote, you were, John, you're right. F those who think otherwise because they're not the ones risking their lives for entertainment. You know, I literally met a fighter recently that couldn't remember how old he was, is what John responded. Do you guys think that fight could be as big as Wilder versus Fury? That's the last. So that's the last tweet. And then we've also had Derek okay. Lewis chiming in saying, I'll do it for $8 million. Yeah, I'll do it for $8 million. Never mind. I'll, put on, I'll start eating my steaks now. Jeez. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I get what he's trying to say. Um, and he's almost... Um, Correct. You know, I mean, Conor McGregor is the guy that kind of pushes what he says, changes the narrative. But um, is John Jones a big of a star, Conor McGregor, right? Does he have this much pull as Conor McGregor, which I don't think he does. But uh, I don't know. I think you got to pay the guy the money. And I think if anything, I, mean, I know it sucks for the promotion, but a lot of the fighters kind of need to stand behind those John Jones moments sometimes. Being like, hey, this is the biggest fight. He should you know, make the money that, you know, he kind of deserves. But they won't. I, I, you know I'm why okay they won't. With it. They won't. It's principle you know now. It's principle now. He made it public. And now if he, you I mean, it's, it's creating a lot of controversy. But, yeah, all right. I'm, I'm disappointed. But I, I wish the money was there, if anything. But. Whether or not he deserves it, I think, is irrelevant to the UFC. I think that they look at it from an economic standpoint. They look at it from a dollars and cents thing, uh, you know, standpoint. And... The money, again, that they would need to make up. Because how many fighters do you think actually make over $10 million for a single fight? In, in the UFC history, how many do you think have made that? I don't know, because those numbers in terms of what fighters are actually paid. Per fight, like you're saying? For a single yeah, fight. But it's hard with, like, uh, endorsements it's probably and just sponsorship. Like, that yeah. make $10 million plus for a single fight. You don't even think John Jones? No. I don't know. Definitely not. John really? was just saying he made $2 million a fight. Okay. John, Out of this, John is, we're talking straight salary paid. I'm talking, yeah, yeah. Um, no, even like post, post, uh, post everything, everything. Or... I don't think that there's anybody that you could say has made other than Conor McGregor, maybe Ronda Rousey hmm. over $10 million for a single fight. Like I even look back at UFC 200 with Nunez and, and Tate, even though that sold a lot, I don't think either of them made over $10 million for that single fight. I, I'm yeah. not talking career. I'm talking one fight. So what John is asking for is something that's kind of uncharted territory, unfortunately. And Listen, I mean, if I'm John Jones, I'm saying, hey, you can pay me this amount of money, but I want a cut of the pay-per-view. Like, if he's going to get a yeah. cut of the pay-per-view and you can promote this thing and, and he goes out and says, listen, I'm going to promote the hell out of this thing. Me and Francis should do a world tour. You know, like that kind of thing. Because that, the fight is of that magnitude. I'm not saying that what John yeah. is saying is incorrect about how big of a fight this is. And I actually think that the longer this public negotiation draws out, the more people are intrigued by it and the more people are interested yeah. in what hell happens. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, I think that... I think the UFC are going to see the kind of interest in this fight. But again, I just don't know if they can make up for the discrepancy in money that they, they could be making if they just put Derek Lewis in there for, say, $1, $2 million. 
Yeah. But you have to you have to say John Jones is right when he says this is the biggest fight they could possibly make right now. I mean, again, with now Khabib being out, I mean, before that, you got to think another fight of that magnitude is what? GSP Khabib? Would that be a bigger fight than this? Probably. I don't, I don't know if it would. <laughs> I don't, yeah. like, that's the thing. I think Connor versus just about anybody is a bigger fight than this, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Yeah. But I mean, Connor versus anyone now, for me, it's like you're still not getting the. Because sometimes now you. Is Connor the best? We've seen him lose, you know, to the Khabibs. We, I don't know. So part of me is like this heavyweight fight, you're literally getting the best heavyweight who's got this scary thing with, you know, John. So we're putting as the pound for pound best. So I think it's even that much better. So I think the money's worth it when we compare other sports. I know it's comparative and I know it's uncharted territory, but this is a fight I think could set new grounds, break records. So maybe fighters pay is one of the records they break on this one. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's going to happen, honestly. And I think right now, yeah. coming out of the pandemic, where they're not really sure how many people can fit into a stadium, I think it buys them some time as well. Like, you know, if you're going to do it in a stadium, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess they could do it at where the Dallas Cowboys play in I don't know how many months that that's going to be they're going to be able to do that. I mean, technically, they could do it tomorrow if they wanted to because the state of Texas is kind of wide open. But yeah. uh, at the same time, I, I don't know how many, uh, you know, if the mayor or anything along those lines is going to sign off on a full stadium of people watching this fight, at least right now. I mean, maybe in three, four months when the vaccination rate is really high in the U.S., which I believe it will be, then you can start talking about that. But uh, I, I don't know. I mean, Again, I, I think that right now the issue the UFC has is that their fallback is Derek Lewis. And when you think Naganu and Lewis, you think of the most boring fight of probably the last 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing. Like, what other contenders really get you excited for Naganu, right? Nobody, really. I mean, yeah. Blades would be interesting, but we've seen that twice already. Uh, he ha like, here's who Naganu hasn't fought yet. He hasn't fought Cyril Gunn. He hasn't fought Volkov. Which uh, Gunn still needs some time. Right. And so does Volkov, right? Like, yeah. So I, I just don't know who's out there that he hasn't already beaten. Am I forgetting anybody? He's beaten Rosenstrike. He's beaten uh, uh, Stipe now, of course. So I, I just don't know. And, of course, Derek Lewis he's lost to. So, I mean, that's why that fight might be of particular interest. Yeah. Well, John Jones knows that. He's intelligent. He's playing the market. He's doing his thing. I mean, you can't get upset for him. But I just know we want it. I don't care how it happens. Just give it to me. I actually tweeted the other day. I like Nagano versus Rico Verhoeven, I put. I was like, <laughs> that's the only thing I can see challenging Nagano is someone who's very good at striking. So, like, I'm very high on the Nagano train. Well, here's the other thing uh, that a lot of people fail to pick up on. John Jones and Derek Lewis have the same manager, right? So it's not like, you know, they can undercut Jones because if they undercut Jones, they go to Derek Lewis, they're undercutting themselves, right? Like, they're going to yeah, want to lobby yeah. for Jones because their cut is so much bigger with Jones, right? Big so time. people yep. need to remember that too. It's not like Derek, like unless Derek Lewis leaves that management company, uh, which I don't think he could contractually, he'd probably need to pay them out or something along those lines. I don't think that, that they're going to lobby for Derek Lewis to get that fight because they're going to lose money on that as well. Yeah. What are you thinking about Stipe now? I mean, there's a lot of talk. Should he be done? I mean, I know it's always early talk about this, but uh, I think looking at the fight, I don't think he has a chance right now against so I think a good uh, this could be a good last fight for Stipe, in my opinion. I've decided I'm not going to comment on should he be done ever again. It's not for okay. me to say. Like, yeah. if, if I'm Tyron, everybody's like, should Tyron Woodley retire? Should Stipe retire? I don't ask them. Yeah. What are you asking me for? What do yeah. I, what's my opinion matter? 
You know, you know what? Yeah. Like, I've interviewed Dana White and Conor McGregor and all the big names in them. Should I retire from 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 doing this for a living? I've I've done I've done it all. I've interviewed the biggest yeah. names in the sport. Should I walk away? Should Ariel Hawani walk away? He's interviewed the, the the biggest names. Nobody ever says that. Nobody ever says. Yeah, but oh, you don't you don't you don't get brain damage for doing your job, right? So we need to protect that. My I'm doing it out of a side of love, you know. So that's where I'm coming. But if it's anybody's different for asking. you to do it than for me to do it. Fair. Yeah. You've been fair. In there. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think it's bad to say the opinion is well, you know, he's got knocked out. He didn't look good the way he fell. He's just having a boy. You know, maybe it's nice to. I mean, I still get it. It's not your place to tell someone, but I mean, I think we come out of it in our conversations. It's not as retire that you suck, but. Whereas let's, I want to see you do well after in life, right? So I just think yeah, we should I, I make that them, clear, you but know? But at the same time, like, I, I just don't feel like my opinion on the topic matters. And I feel like you're, you're taking fair, someone fair. else's decision away from them by, by saying, oh, this person should retire. Or you're also implying that their best days are behind them and that they aren't going to be able to return to the athlete that they once were. And I think all of that is kind of unfair. And honestly, like, Woodley looks great. Like, I know he lost that fight against Luque, but he fought the way that everybody would have wanted him to fight. He, he, he went down on his shield, went out on his shield. He was throwing the big right that had got him to where he was. He was using his wrestling. He did everything that you would have liked him to see. Uh, so I, I don't think that he looked particularly bad. I, know, I mean, he doesn't typically get finished in the first round, but he didn't look to me to be a washed fighter. He just looked to me to be a guy who I don't think is as good as he once was. But I still think that Tyron Woodley has some fight left in him. And for me to say I think he should retire, that's like me saying, hey, you know, I, the guy's done. He's got nothing left to give to the sport. And for yeah. me to say that about somebody I think is, is kind of hurtful, to be honest. Yeah. I, I don't – the narrative of Tyron Woodley, I'm kind of a little bit, you know, separate from people. I feel, one, everyone's like, oh, Tyron looked great. Did Tyron look great? I'm sorry. Uh, I don't think that looked that's that, that's not great to me. What I saw was one, he was fighting for excitement. He fought passion. He fought with energy. But he didn't fight technically smart. He got aggressive. He left his chin up. He was overthrowing. Um, what did he go out on his shield? Yes, but that doesn't mean a good thing that you went out on your shield. I think it's a thing that he got excited. He wanted to put on exciting fights. His whole last five years of his title run, he was known as this boring fighter. So he came out and wanted to fight, which is kind of what we want to see from everyone, that exciting style, go out on your shield and go. But from a technical standpoint, it wasn't the great thing. Yeah, we wanted to see his big right hand, but where were you setting it up? Where was your chin? Where was your head movement? Where was your fainting? Where was your distance control? You know, your fainting of level changes. So I don't think he looked great. I think he looked more exciting than we've seen in the past. And I think that's half of the sport is being exciting. But from a technical standpoint, I think he rushed things. He got, you know, overexcited and then he got knocked out. So, I mean, it's more of him just trying to be more exciting than it was being technically great, I thought. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to remember who said he looked like he was fighting scared. Like, but, but I think that the fighting scared was because he's scared of losing. Like, he was scared of losing four in a row and really wanted to show that he still had something left. He wasn't fighting. I get it, but Aaron, when you're getting hit and you're rocked, why are you putting your chin up and throwing looping, bombing punches? That's not a welterweight champion who's been the dominant champion. That's an immature striker at that point when you're hurt and you're just swinging wildly with your chin open, you're asking to get knocked out. You spent the whole five, six being so strategic. And then you just literally lift your chin and start bombing punches. That doesn't make sense to me. Like stick to your, your, I mean, 
you could have been a little bit more volume cleaner setups, but you don't have to leave your chin open like that. I mean, I mean, that's your opinion uh, and like how you want it to go out. But I don't think it was necessarily the smartest way. No, definitely not. But I think that at that point, he's fight, He's in fight or flight mode. Like he's fighting on instinct and he's also fighting with the mentality is like, I can't lose this fight and I will do whatever it takes to win this. But like that's the epitome of going out on your shield. But uh, I, like you mentioned, he definitely could have changed up his strategy. He definitely could have taken some steps back, taken a, a breather and said, you know, like, let's let's not go totally all in right now. Yeah, let's, let me let's, try to wrestle try to another day different. Yeah, I mean, I mean that. But hey, he got 50k bonus. We're talking about him. The fight was exciting. I loved it. I loved the fight. It was exciting. Of course, I liked it. But when we're talking about the X's and O's and how having the right mentality in a fight, I don't think it was there. But great fight. I love the excitement. Yeah, I think he's done with the UFC now. I mean, Dana White hinted as much in the post-fight press conference. He's lost four in a row. He's turning 39. You know, it seems like the uh, you can read the tea leaves from there. But what would be next for him? I don't really know. I mean, could he do the? Yeah. Could he go to the PFL and try to win a million dollars? Could he go yeah. to Bellator, or maybe he just decides to retire? I, yeah, I don't know. I, it's really up to him. I know this this past week he was talking about how he wanted to stay in the UFC because he wanted to continue to try to prove that he was the best in the world. But I mean. If the UFC's not going to continue to give him fights, he's going to have to decide what he wants to do from here on out. Yeah, But I do agree with you. I wanted to say that I do agree, Aaron, that it is annoying to keep talking week after week about should they retire. I'm guilty of it, but I just do it because I I consider these guys colleagues and I can want them. To, I know how bad it is and I just don't want to be another person out there being like, go fight, go fight, rah, rah, rah. Like I left my career because of head injuries and I want to make sure other people kind of know that hey it's okay to maybe take a step back if you need to instead of looking at some of the further to keep seeing from from the damage of the sport so it is annoying I agree with it I hate talking about it every week but I think it's still bringing light to the idea of head injuries and that's part of my life now yeah and I just want to make it clear that I'm not of the opinion that it's you know go fight rah 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 uh, I'm just yeah. saying that it's not up to me. It's, it's, it's yeah, no, no, no. It's up to that person. Very like, good point. Yeah. yeah. So I, I just don't want to have to keep commenting on, oh, I think this guy's done. I think he should retire. It's not up to me. Like, it's, it, it's not up for me to decide what, some, what someone can do in terms of their earning potential in the sport and, and what they feel like they want. A lot of fighters don't think that they have anything yeah. after their career is done. Everybody's paying attention. At the end of the day, it's an opinion. TV. Yeah, it's an opinion. You're allowed to have it. And it's their body. Not yours. You know, if they want to go down that way, hey, that's them, right? If they should have the choice. But I don't mind even the UFC, like Dana stepping in saying like, hey, I love this guy. He's been here for 10 years. I'm not signing him again. I think that's all right, too. Just, you know, at least someone is protecting the fighter because sometimes they don't want to defend themselves. It's hard. Like in the, in, the, in the fight, I don't want anyone ever throwing the towel in. But sometimes you need that person. Like, hey, let's fight again another day. So, um just let's hope everyone's good. So far, we've been doing a good job. So let's keep it up. And Woodley's great at the desk. Like, I think that if they offered Woodley a job doing the desk and said, hey, listen, I don't know what you want to do next, but we're not going to have you fight again in the UFC. However, <laughs> if you do decide to retire, we think that you would do a good job at this and offer him the desk job. Because I, like of all the desk people, I don't think he'd be great as a, as a color commentary guy. But I think at the desk is really where Tyron okay. Woodley shines. He gives really yeah. good analysis. He's good at noticing mm -hmm. the, the finer points of fighting. I agree. I think that's perfect guy to have there. Looks good, sharp, you know, confident speaker, um, been a part of the sport, former multiple champion. I think that's a perfect position for him. I mean, I'm, I've seen him do a little bit um, in the past, and he, he's good. 
I think that's that's another good thing the UFC the UFC should almost have like a post career fund almost that they kind of help guys fund these different projects like it wouldn't be a bad idea to like I don't know if the UFC sponsors give some of these fighters monthly money for a podcast that they run that goes on UFC platforms maybe create shows for them I think that's all part of fighter development fighter post fight career so the more we can get guys in these analyst roles the better like that was the best thing for my career was to go into commentary after i didn't even care about fighting i'm like i didn't even want to fight i go i make more money i go to more fights i'm ringside on all of them so it's such a good position that we need to kind of encourage people and and create more opportunities post post fight time oh really what they should be getting is a pension but it seems like for whatever reason they don't want to unionize so uh, yeah. It doesn't seem like a union is in the cards, but I think that it would help them a lot. I'm just saying, I mean, mm-hmm. I understand why a lot of them don't try to unionize because it doesn't seem like it's it. Well, I'll just be frank. It, they seem to lose favor with the promotion if they if they try yeah. to go that route. Yeah. This is a contract business. I mean, if you don't want to take it, if you don't want to take the fight for 10,000, someone will take it for five and then they replace it. I mean, it's you're replaceable and they know that. And they know they're the biggest and it's controlled. But that's why we have this retirement talk. It's annoying. But uh, I am upset that we don't have fights next week. So that's something I have to get used to. We've got fights this week. we got Bellator on Friday. The, the first yeah. Bellator event. And the, yeah. Uh, great, great main event between Pitbull yeah. and Sanchez. Yeah. That's that's the only fight I'm excited for on the card. I was looking at it before. But uh, it's not the same. It's what about Mandel? He trains with you. Come on. I trained with him twice. I, have, I didn't even know he was on the card. <laughs> I follow my. I don't even follow him on Instagram because he doesn't post anything he doesn't post, on, he posts Instagram. His art on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't even know when he's fighting. He doesn't promote himself, and I know him. So, <laughs> but now that I know he's on, is he on the main card as well? He's uh, on the prelims. But uh, okay. they, I watch. found out today uh, that if you're in Canada, it's not on TV, but you can watch it on the Bellator MMA app uh, as well as YouTube. So it's free, that's just the prelims, free to watch. right? Yeah, free to watch the prelims and the main card on uh, both of those things if you're in Canada. If you're looking for Bellator. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess I'm watching Bellator, and it's on Friday, which um, I'll be. That's the uh, Catholic Good Friday, so Italians eat a lot of fish. I'll be eating a lot of fish, and then I'll watch the Bellator. Night. A little pesce, pesce with the family. Little pesce. Yeah. There you go. Mom's making it. There you go. <laughs> All right. You got it. You know oh, your good. Italian side. Yeah, some some pesce and some Bellator. Is Bellator Italian? Probably not. No. It could be though. <laughs> Sounds like a Rome. I think it's a Roman character, right? Yeah. I Isn't guess it maybe it's Bellator. Is. Maybe it's it Roman. Isn't. Yeah. I don't know. We'll have to look that up. Uh, Sean O'Malley getting the win over Thomas Almeida. That's kind of. I think that's the last fight that I. I really want to go in depth on uh, for this one. Uh, Sean O'Malley. You know, I thought that uh, my colleague Andreas Hale put it best. He's like the and one mixtape of UFC fighters. He's got so much style, so much Mm -hmm. creativity, uh, which makes him a lot of fun to watch. I, I just think that he he looked like a way better fighter than Thomas Almeida. Yeah, I I love his style, his flair, his flash, his techniques. I even posted an Instagram combo of the day the other day of me using some of his tricks and tactics like um i posted a fake of the spin back fist come with the rear straight like i think he's on a different level right now i i really like it uh, i don't like is the post talk we're talking i think they're trying to jump him a little too uh, much right now which is more i'm more on the side of let this kid keep knocking a few people out you know give him the right fights but when i'm hearing guys like dominic cruz next i'm like woo, let's pump the brakes a little bit i want to see this kid develop because i think he's a future star well he is a star now but i'm talking that next level seeing him like the israel adesanya's i think that's the to keep an eye on 
Well, this is what happened last time, right? They, they wanted him to have a, a better opponent. They gave him Cheeto Vera. Cheeto Vera won that fight. I mean, he's, he, he seems to think that he didn't lose that fight, but we all know what happened yeah, yeah, in that yeah. fight. Uh, yeah, I mean, the thing is, you look at the top 15 of the bantamweight division, like, do you think it would be too much too soon for him to fight, like, Rafael Asuncao, for example? You know, Asuncao is ranked at 11th. Uh, I think there are a lot of guys at the bottom of that top 15 that he can certainly beat. Yeah, uh, let's go through some. Who, who are some that you think is a potential matchup for him? Well, let me pull up the rankings. There were a couple names that I saw that uh, that stood out to me. Okay, yeah, because I know people, someone was saying even names like Aldo and I was like, well, here, no. Let's go through, let's go from, you mentioned Dominic Cruz, you think is a little bit too steep. So let's I go Let's so. go down the list. So you got Rafael Asuncao at number 10. I think that would be a great fight. Me Jimmy too. Rivera at 11. Great fight. Great fight. Rob Davalashvili at 12, I think would be a great fight too, just because I think Davalashvili would be in trouble if he took O'Malley down. I think O'Malley would have a lot for him on the ground. O'Malley's yeah, grappling is really underrated. And it's good. Yeah, he's yeah. got a good style. I think he does like, uh, he competes in like submission grappling stuff and stuff as well. Yeah. And mm-hmm. those good. Cody Stamen, I think would be a great matchup. Kyler Phillips. Cody's ranked higher than him, by the way. Cody's 13, yeah. Cody's ranked higher than Cheeto Vera, who beat me. O'Malley, right? So Cody Stamen's 13, Kyler Phillips 14. Like all of and those Didn't guys... Cody just lose his last fight too? Stamen, I think he did, but it was against somebody who was, I think, ranked quite higher, a bit rank? higher than him, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember who it was. Like I was, I was shocked. I don't know. I was shocked when I was looking at the rankings. I don't think he was on the top 15. Who was Stamen? I wish no, uh, Shane O'Malley. Sean O'Malley, yeah. Sean O'Malley, sorry. He was. He he even vented on that, and I still can't do it. He hates when people call him Sugar Shane, but I can't. It's so hard. Did Sugar Sean. Sorry. Sugar Sean O'Malley is not even in the top. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy to me. So, I mean, uh, Stamen did lose his last fight to Jimmy Rivera, who's ranked above him. So, I mean, you, you look at, uh, like, that, I think, to me, would be a good litmus test. Does any of those guys, Rivera, Davalashvili, Stamen, Asuncao, Kyler Phillips, even a rematch with Cheeto Vera, if you want to go that direction, I think would be great just for him to try to right that wrong if he really does think he's better than Cheeto Vera. And a future matchup, which gets me excited, would be uh, Rob Font. Yeah. Right. I mean, Rob. Imagine that. Font is right, ranked number three right now. Yeah, number three fight. now. But I'm saying yeah. in the future, as uh, Sugar Sean gets his way up, I mean, I think those are some fun fights for him. For sure. Yeah, definitely. And if you look at the bantamweight division and some of the unranked guys, you've got like Rowney Barcelos, who I think is really good. You've got uh, a kid who I just spoke to uh, yesterday, who I'm really high on, is Adrian Yanez. I think that he has like a really bright future. And he's like ranked 33 something like if you look at the topology rankings or something he's like in the 30s and i think he's a really 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 bright prospect going forward like there are there are just a lot of really solid names uh in that bantamweight division that are not ranked uh you know sean o'malley being one of them yeah and i'm the more i look at it the more fights we see it might be the ufc's best division right now i think when you look at the the top 10 it might be the most competitive of all the divisions yeah, extremely deep. And featherweight as well. Featherweight, lightweight, and bantamweight right now. There's just an embarrassment of riches in those divisions. Yeah, I think that's in a lot of combat sports. The heavier you get, it seems to have less contenders. But the lighter divisions, man, even when it comes to you know the kickboxing and just some good, good lightweight fighters. So uh, a couple of big fights announced yesterday, one of which is the, uh, the first non-title five-round co-main event in UFC history. You had Leon Edwards. Taking yeah. on Nate Diaz at UFC 262. Man, I love this fight. And you called it too. You said about five round main events. Yeah, I said uh, main events. I, I spoke to Dana White about it because I, I thought that uh, Oliveira versus Ferguson should have been a five round fight. Yeah. You called it out, and I'm happy they're doing it. I think it's getting guys ready because that's a. 
if you're a headliner, you should be getting ready for five rounds. Even though I don't like five rounds, I think you're preparing fighters because if you're the first time on a main event and all of a sudden you're like you have to fight five rounds, that's a lot. You're not you're adding extra stress. So giving these guys those little opportunities to get more rounds. Like I always thought about why not put the prelim main event five rounds and then you can kind of build something like that. But uh, when I heard Edwards versus Diaz, I was kind of surprised, to be honest. More surprised that, you know, Nate took the fight. Yeah. Well, Nate was Nate commented on Leon Edwards in his last uh, interview that he did, I believe. He said he wanted somebody who had like a really uh, upwards trajectory, somebody who he thought was was a guy that was on a roll. And I mean, Leon Edwards has a, a really, you know, I think he's nine fights unbeaten, if I'm not mistaken, nine in a row unbeaten. I mean, I mean, he has the, the uh, of course, the no contest with uh, with Bilal, but that would be included. I mean, he didn't lose that fight. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, the guy's on a roll, and I think Nate Diaz, if he wins that fight, is like the number one contender at welterweight, basically. Like, he's, he's able to kind of swoop in and uh, and try to get, uh, you know, a, a big fight after that if he's able to beat Leon Edwards. And I actually like that fight stylistically for Nate. I think that that's a, a really uh, interesting one for him. I think it's going to be mostly stand-up. I think that you're going to see... Um, a lot of uh, what both these guys have to offer on the feet. And I think that Leon Edwards uh, against Diaz in a stand-up battle is, you know, it's got some real intrigue. Yeah. I'm really happy that Edwards got the fight. I feel now this will be his coming out fight. We'll start seeing, you know, a big name for him now. That's why I was shocked that Nate took the fight. You know, traditionally we've seen Nate only want to come out for the biggest and the best fights, but to, for him to take on Edwards just shows that, one, maybe he is motivated for that title. Maybe it's one and he just wants to keep going. But I like it. I like it. I think for Edwards, we're going to see him get a personality. I think he'll talk a little bit more. He'll get his shine. He'll start building his attention that he deserves. And let's see. Because, I mean, the way he looked was sharp. His frame, his ability to do it all. Um, I I think, you know. I want to like look at the odds. I'm sure you know, but I would maybe put Edwards as a very small favorite. No, he's, he's actually quite a big favorite. He's minus three fifty. Are the okay? Odds. They came yeah, I was gonna say he morning. should be. Yeah, okay. minus three fifty. I think the comeback on Nate was like plus two seventy five. So, uh, and I think that number is probably gonna go up. Really? Okay. Yeah, but yeah, I think I think the action will come in on Edwards, but uh, we'll have to see. I, again, I think stylistically it's a good fight. And uh, some other news that came down yesterday: Darren Till out of his fight with Marvin Vittori. Uh, mm. It looks like the front runner for that. Uh, in the words of Stephen Morrissey, "Big Mouth strikes again." Kevin yeah. Holland might be yeah. uh, getting the call. Uh, apparently, he's accepted it. Vittori seems in a uh, good situation, I think, for Holland to try and bet. Like, I actually think stylistically, that's a good matchup for Holland. I think it's a better matchup for him than Brunson was. Yeah, but Vittori's a beast, man. Big, yes. strong, heavy, confident, doesn't care, fearless, big block head and neck. You know, like it's just. Crazy, like I, I think Vittori is one of the, the dark horses. And let's say it as it is, the kid's gonna do really well, and I'm riding that Italian pride. I hope it's at the apex because I want to hear all the talking. Like that fight's gonna have a full conversation going on during it. Yeah, yeah. Vittori doesn't care at all. <laughs> no, at all. <laughs> Zero. Whether you're in an interview and he doesn't like something, if you're in the lobby and he sees you, he doesn't like you, or in the ring, he's gonna be himself. And I love it. I just think he's. He's uh, a monster, and I think he's going to do some good things in the division. He brings the uh, the uh, the passionate Italian uh, mentality yeah. to, to the game. The loud you know, like yourself, except you've got a smile on your face, and he's got a scowl. So you're both yeah. passionate, but you guys channel it differently. Yeah. He's 
you, man. I'm telling you, when he gets mad and you see that face, he's got like a little bit of that. I mean, uh, I don't whatever I'll say. He kind of got that Shrek look to him where it's like <laughs> big, strong features. Like He's scary, man. I, I think he's I like him. Just his neck, his traps, his back. He's big boy, big, strong boy. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I was saying to you, I think it was last week where I said, I think the guy that has the best chance of beating Israel at 185 is Vittori, even though even though he lost to Israel previously. I think that the kind of new and improved Vittori can give Israel a lot of problems. Yep. I think he's stylistically good for that division because what do you have to do against Izzy? You got to pressure him. You can't just sit at range. Who's going to pressure? Vittori's going to pressure. He's going to keep coming forward. Can he wrestle a little bit? Yes. Can he mix his clinching, his striking, his grappling? Yep, that's what makes him effective. So um, I like his style, and, and I really hope he keeps getting these bigger, bigger fights, keeps using his, uh, you know, that aggression that he has and start, you know, getting those bigger fights. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, of what Vittoria brings to the table and also what Kevin Holland brings to the table. I think, again, from a matchup standpoint, Kevin Holland can give Vittoria a lot of problems. Yeah, I just want to see Kevin Holland needs to make it up to me. Not me personally, but as the Kevin Holland bus driver, you know, as I'm driving the Kevin Holland, I made him my, you know, fighter of the year last year. I hyped him up this fight. I I mean, I'm still riding the bus, but if this bus wants to go any faster, Kevin Holland's going to have to show a little bit more focus his last fight and have to get a good solid performance if I'm going to. Otherwise, I'm jumping off the bus. I'm not driving no more. Uh, The UFC also made a pretty big signing this week. Patty Pimlet, uh, the champion from uh, Cage Warriors. Yeah, signed people are the excited UFC. about it. Yeah, so yeah. it's interesting. He actually, uh, when he was a free agent last time around, decided to stay with Cage Warriors. He felt that he just had a bigger audience at Cage Warriors because of where in the world it takes place. You know, he's, he's from Liverpool, and he believes that he's got a big audience. He felt like that was kind of his home at the time. And then I guess he's achieved everything that he wanted to achieve at Cage Warriors and now has moved on to the UFC. I think he's going to be a, a very interesting character going forward. Now, I mean, obviously I follow Ariel Hawani. Is this the kid he's been posting about talking Saying this is the next kid, or he's posted a couple things about this. He's been this. posting about Pimblet for years and interviewing Pimblet for years okay. and years. All right, so this is the kid then. What is what's his thing? Like, is he the next? You know, like who's the other young Bellator kid? James Gallagher is it? Gallagher? Yeah, James Gallagher is. Uh, but he he trains with McGregor. He's he's Irish. Uh, and uh, he actually has a big fight coming up, I believe, against Patchy Mix. That's gonna be an Patchy awesome Mix. Fight. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Patchy Mix is awesome. Well, why don't we talk but, a little Bellator? Do you want to do you want to jump over to the Bellator? You have another Patty Pimblet question. Uh, no, no, I can. I just don't know many of the guys on the Bellator card, but I'll I'll entertain I think it you'll with be you. Surprised when I bring them up. I think you know a lot of these guys. Here, let's let me. Okay. Let me All pull right, it up. Let me bring it up. Sometimes I need to see. Well, first faces. off, I think Pitbull versus uh, Emmanuel Sanchez is a great fight. I think that Sanchez is a really underrated fighter. Uh, that actually I think could could win this fight. I you know I, I know that he's a pretty big underdog plus two ten. They fought before. The last time it was a very close fight that I think came down to one, to one of the rounds. But uh, I think it came down to the last round, basically. But I, I think that the new the improvements we've seen from Sanchez uh, are going to be on display this weekend. Or on Friday, I guess. Yeah, I, like I said, every time we talk about Sanchez, I just believe in him because of his Duke Rufus style, my biased side. But I just like his style, his creepiness. His, not creepiness, his faintiness, you know? Faintiness. It makes him look a little creepy awkward mixy like it's just good style fun i think it's that mexican blood too right makes him fight i I like his style pitbull's pitbull you know all right i'm gonna give you some i'm gonna give you some names you tell me uh who you've heard of 
Of, of course, there's Mandel Nalo, who's facing uh, Ricardo Seixas. Uh, Magomed Magomedov, he's a minus 1,300 favorite, big prospect. No Magomed Magomedov? They all sound the same. Nurgomedov, Magomedov. I think he's the I, guy I would who beat Piotr Jan. so many UFC ones compared. Because there's a UFC Magomedov too, right? There's, uh, yeah, there's several Magomedovs and, and Nurmagomedovs, including the Usman Nurmagomedov, the, uh, the, the, the next up-and-coming Nurmagomedov member from the family. Khabib will be in his corner. He's on this card. And, uh, yeah, he's I just a, see a here he's 11-0. Yeah, he's a really good fighter. And, you know, you think wrestling when you think of, Nur, of somebody with a last name Nurmagomedov. Usman Nurmagomedov striking is really, really good. Okay. Uh, oh, okay, I see. Neiman Jason Gracie. Jackson, Gracie. You, you know Jason okay. Jackson. He was on the, uh, the Ultimate Fighter Training uh, training partner out at the Sanford MMA. Uh, I just know Neiman Gracie more than I would know Jackson, but he uh, Jackson. I'm guessing um, from what I is uh, Sanford MMA, right? Yeah, I, I believe he's still with Sanford MMA. He's either with Sanford MMA right. or he moved out with uh, with Usman to Denver. Okay, all right. That's a, that's that's one I know. Okay, uh, let's see who else we got here. Khalid Murtazaliev is. Uh, I thought that guy was still in the UFC. I guess he got uh, let go after his suspension ended. Uh, that's the guy that almost killed CB Dalloway. Do you remember that fight? Do you remember when CB Dalloway got absolutely walloped by somebody? That was uh, that was Khalid Murtazaliev, I believe. Um, and you've got uh, Roger Huerta, of course, you've heard of. Okay, yeah. Tyrell Not Fortune bad. against Jack May, former UFC fighter Jack May, good kickboxer. Mm, don't know. I'm going through the prelims now to see if anything pops up. <laughs> yeah, there's Mendel. Yeah. Okay, so, so you know some of the names. I know a few. Yeah. I think really this is this is a go. card where you you've got a lot of good prospects on it like Tyrell Fortune, Usman Nurmagomedov, uh, Magomed Magomedov, like some guys that are really trying to build up. Uh, I think Mandel Nalo is uh, not really a prospect at this point in time, but uh, a very good fighter. But then that one headliner, I think uh, Patricio Pitbull against Emmanuel Sanchez is that that's that's the fight to watch. Uh, on Worth this card. it for sure. Yeah, you got to like those guys. You could put both of them in the UFC and compete within the top ten easily. Even oh for sure more. You know, I think Pitbull. Pitbull, I think, is on the pound-for-pound list. Like, Pitbull, yeah. to me, I think, like, it's, it's, he might be the, the best 45 in the world, honestly. He's, he's a really stellar fighter. I don't know how he would do against the Max Holloway. It's one of those things we're never really going to find out. But, uh, but he's, I mean, he's a two-division champion that? in Bellator. He could become a three-division champion. I believe he could cut down to 35 and become champion there, too. He's Why nice. aren't we seeing that? You why? think it's just really held on to Bellator? Because we're seeing, we saw it with other guys. I mean, why is it, if he's this pound-for-pound don't you? Wouldn't he want to show it in the UFC, especially since we've seen with Chandler the success he had, and now getting a title shot? Like you would think, Pitbull would want to follow the same path. Yeah, I don't know the terms of his contract, but uh, you'd have to think that if he wants to prove that he's the best in the world, that that would be the thing to do to make that jump. I mean, Chandler's going to get a chance to prove it in his next fight. He's going to be it could become Big the time. champion of the best division in the UFC. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be nice. I just I don't know why they're still so against it. I get why. I mean the cross-promotion fights, but they could be fun. I mean, once in a while, if they can figure something out. But uh, I like that style. Old school. That's what old school used to be. My team versus your team. Let's go. My right. country versus your country. Let's do it. I like it, Jim. You know? Yeah. All right, Me well, too. Why, Let's see it. Why don't we wrap this bad boy up? We can recap uh, some of that next week. Um, appreciate you, as always, Joe, doing this. Uh, you can check out the TSN MMA Show interview edition, uh, interviews with Adrian Yanez this week, uh, Brad Katona, who's fighting at Brave on Thursday, Mandel Nalo, uh, who we've been discussing on this show, and Rugrub, who's going to be fighting at uh, one championship 
mm. on April 7th, uh, a big up and coming prospect. So uh, you can check that out wherever your podcasts are found. Uh, thanks, Joe, for this. And uh, please rate, review the show. We always appreciate yep. it. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.